This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message.
back. Good morning, New Life. We are back. And I'm, this is our grand finale. Joel, I don't know uh, if that puts pressure on you in some way, shape, or form, but we are in the last uh, week of this Faith Wins series. And I have thoroughly enjoyed these conversations about hope and struggle. I have personally uh, gleaned quite a bit to tuck away for a time when I'm really working on hope management. So uh, I've really enjoyed these and this is our last one of it. And Joel is game to have his brain picked today. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, coming in in third. That's fun. I got to see how it was done. So that was nice, at least <laughs> giving, giving me a little heads up. How are we going to do this? Yeah, so that's, that's yeah although uh, consider this your fair warning that you just really never know. You just really never know in conversations like this. So, um, okay, I, I'm i curious to hear right off the bat from you, why is it that you wanted to talk about faith winning? Like when we picked this mm -hmm. concept and this title, what is it that, that had you like, yes, yeah. I want us to talk about this? I think that whole idea of, of faith wins is so important to the season we're in right now that we're walking through. But I, I think it's such a necessary thing to grab onto and understand for the totality of our life that yeah. that we're going to need this this trust in God at work in our story. Um, and I think it's important that we we talk through that and remind ourselves and encourage it. Like what you and Christy talked about last week, re rehearsing that narrative of faith for one another. I, I know in my story, I can get so in my own head as an introverted personality, which has a lot of strengths to it, but you can also get lost in your own mind palace dungeon mm. <laughs> if you're not careful. And there's times where I just, I need to hear the voice of other people. Like, like saying, Joel, lift up your eyes. Hey, Joel, look beyond this moment. And it's so important, I think, to, to hear the stories of others, both from the past, like the deep past of scripture to the immediate present that we're walking with people to, to remind us, hey, there's hope in the story. And there's this thing called faith that we can grab onto. And I think we need to understand what that thing called faith looks like. It's this trusting in who God is in our story. But man, there's so much good that we can discover for the now when we grab onto that thing called faith. I have liked the interplay that I didn't foresee between the last series, Look Up, and this series, Faith Wins. I would have said that the last series was what, about a skill we need to develop that will serve us our whole life long, but is like very practical right now. Uh, the skill of like, yes, this is reality, but there is something truer at play. Look there, look up. Um, I did not foresee that this just feels like the natural progression of that same train of thought, that faith wins to me, feels like a fact that I fail to tune into. But in that way, it's kind of the same thing we were talking about in the Look Up series of like, that is a skill to choose to listen to people's stories and remind myself that faith wins. Um, I really enjoyed the longer time in this particular skill set uh, that I need right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and that that's where there's there's something Jesus says right in the middle of his darkest moment as he's getting ready to go to the cross on our behalf that he says to his his core first followers. And it's this declaration of victory in the reality of the struggle. And it, and I love what he says in John. He says, John 16, he says, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. 
I mean, that's Jesus's declaration of victory. Yeah. Faith wins. Yeah. Like, and, and I love what he says there because I think it's easy for us. Let me, it's easy for me. You can see if this is true for you as you're listening in on this conversation, but it's easy for me having grown up in kind of a, a, a church background to have this idea of like, like just have faith, you know, just have faith and like, it'll be, it's good. And if you have faith, you'll never experience any hardship or difficulty. And, and yet that's, that's not what Jesus said. Uh, and, and if, and faith is actually trusting that the hardship and difficulty doesn't win, that yeah. our story has victory in, in, in that final moment that gives us hope of what we walk through today. And so it's that I have a faith that's going to lead me into victory because of who Jesus is in my story. So that's interesting. You would say that because I have subscribed to that same concept. Okay. It's a slight nuance to the concept, but sure. I bet most people will find themselves in one of these two camps that I have um, not assumed that if I had faith, I wouldn't have struggle. I have assumed that while I was struggling, because life was hard, that if I had faith, I would not be feeling badly about the struggle, that somehow I would be blissfully above the struggle. <laughs> yes. And that something's wrong with me if I am struggling to feel. So I think what it came down to is that I think faith is a feeling. Got it. Okay. And I, if the oh, whole, if that is your definition, then I'm failing at faith all of the time. So how would you actually describe faith? Mm -hmm. I, I am. Okay. So that's such an important thing that you're bringing out. I, I think there's a reality that there isn't a feeling or an affective reality to our faith that okay. I want to be aware of. I want to be like, I want to be so mindful of how I am feeling because I can be moody and broody and happy and slappy. You know, like I, I have this spectrum of emotions and I want to be aware of those, but I don't want to necessarily let those determine the perspective of my life. Okay. And I don't, and I don't think it's one or the other, but I want to be mindful of my feelings. And so I think faith does have an emotional quality to it, but it's ultimately stronger than just how I'm feeling. Because if faith is just how I feel, then on a beautiful day like today, my faith is awesome. I'm, you know, I'm singing like a, a Disney princess song. It's like, that's what my faith <laughs> looks like. But but when the clouds roll in, if my faith is just my feelings, then wow, I'm, it's gone. Okay. And so I, I think when we look at what faith is talked about, what faith is described at, when Jesus invites people to have faith in him, it's, it's placing our trust in God or in Jesus because we know who he is and what he's capable of. Okay. So like Jesus at one point says, like, hey, trust me, like, believe what I'm telling you because I've come from the Father. But if that's not enough for you, then look at what I'm doing. Look at the proof of what I've done for you. Let that be like the evidence that you need that you can trust me. And so I think faith is ultimately, God, I trust you. Come what may. Come hell or high water. Okay. I, I trust you. I don't always feel good in the trusting. But I know who you are. And so, like would you hold me when I'm spinning? Would you take me into this future you have for me? And I think there's such a permission that comes that I can like, I'm just, I'm in a funky place. Like this has been a hard year plus. And there've been some moments you've seen me. There's been some moments where I've been just like, I think I'm done. Like, God, honestly, I think I'm done, but that doesn't mean I don't have faith. Okay. Like faith is ultimately same, but, but, but I trust you in the midst of this, you know? So I, I get, 
encouraged when I read like the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you know, it's this, this great chapter that outlines all these historical figures in the Bible who had faith, you know, and we call it the hall of faith or whatever. And it's just like, you read through it and it's like, by faith, they did this by faith. They did this by faith. They did this. And the first section is just all these victories. Like, look at what they did. And then you get into like the last part of that chapter and it's saying like, like just unnamed characters, but like by faith, they, they conquered kingdoms by faith. They brought justice by faith. They overcame struggles by faith. They had loved ones returned to them from the dead. Like, I mean, it's just like that faith wins, right? You read that and you're like, yeah, sign me up. And then it turns a corner. It goes, but others were like horrible things, like sawed into persecute, like, like, like they experienced deep, deep darkness in their story. And you're like, hold on, I don't think faith is winning anymore. What what are you talking about as you look at that? But the chapter wraps up, it says like, but God was preparing something better for them with all of us. Like there's this large story that God was telling. And I think we have to grab onto that, that there will be moments in our story where it feels like I'm losing. Like today feels like I'm losing. But Jesus said, I've overcome the world, take heart. So in the long run, I'm winning. And I think there's just this, okay, it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to look around the world and go, what is up with this guy? And I actually think that's part of faith because I have so much trust in him. I can come to him with my frustration and hurt and anger because I know he's going to be able to help me in it. And so I think faith is the sun is shining. I trust you. The rain is pouring and it's a dark and gloomy day. I trust you. I resonate with that. I think how I had come to picture it was no matter what was happening, was I reaching for God's hand? Um, And by that, I mean, there have been seasons in my life where I am like, I'm not ready to talk to you right now. (laughs) Or there have been seasons in my life where I I took a step back and was like, you know, Um, but there have also been, and some of the most painful seasons have included deep, deep questions of like, what were you thinking? Why did you let this happen? But I can ask all of those brutal questions while I am reaching for his hand. Like I just picture us literally having a conversation, holding him. You know that fight that you have with your loved one that is like, do not put a finger on me right now. Like do not touch me while we are duking this out, not in healthy relationship. And then there are those difficult, difficult conversations where you are at odds, but you are fighting for each other. To me, that mm-hmm. is my picture of faith, that I can ask the brutal questions. I can have huge misgivings, but am I fighting for us? That's faith. Or am I fighting against him or self-reliantly like refusing his help or whatever? So to me, it, it came down, which is obviously a point of trust, like what you were just saying. The way I picture it is, Faith is me reaching for God's hand, no matter what, to share the affectionate moment, the long stroll down that lovely path, or I'm drowning. Am I reaching for his hand or am I pointing a finger up there saying like, how could you let me drown like this? That is how I come to internally picture what faith is. Yeah, no, I, that, that, I resonate with that, that idea. And I, I love that word picture of just like reaching out and holding the hand because I I think part of faith is not simply trusting God at work in my story. I think part of faith is trusting me with God in that story. Like, God, I can trust you with my, with, with me and all of my messy, 
expressions of anger or frustration. Like I, I remember er, early on when we got here and COVID was hitting, um, using Christy and I's relationship as, as there's a sense of trust, there was just this moment I got so frustrated um, with how things were unfolding. She was asking really good questions that I just wasn't in a space to be able to answer. And I just said, I need a break. And I, I left the apartment and I just did a couple loops around. I didn't, it was very, it was an immature response for sure. I, what I should have said is, Hey, I want to work this through with you, but I just need to catch my breath. Can I go take a lap in my head in the moment? I couldn't articulate that, but there was, there was a sense of trust in a relationship that I know we're, we're going to be okay enough that I'm going to be able to come back into this and work it out. And I think there's a sense where I, I have to have faith in God's view of me that even I can come and just emote honestly, your God, like, I trust that you're not going to give up on me even when I'm giving up on us. Yes. And that's I like, love that. That's amazing. Yeah. I and love I knew that. that Christy wasn't giving up on us. I, was, I knew Christy wasn't giving up on us when I was acting like an immature child going on my timeout walk. <laughs> that reminds me of a two-year-old like, who ran away from home and like went to the edge of the block, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. For, for, um, 46-year-old man running away from home. <laughs> Sorry about you. And thank you for that vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so what questions are you or have you entertained for vulnerability? What questions have you been asking God about his will in all of this process? Mm-hmm. I mean, you picked up your family following his lead, came to a new place, knew that was going to be a steep learning curve and a difficult process and uh, local culture to get to know and b- rebuilding friendships and all of that. And then COVID hits and it's, it, it makes your professional job significantly harder, your private life significantly harder. I'm just curious what role you see God's will playing into this or what questions have you been asking him? Like, what were you thinking? Which are you game? Yeah, no, I, and I've been asking him like kind of those questions a lot. You know, I've had conversations about this just in our relationship of we were just kind of processing what this year or so has been like. And so like, what are you thinking? And I think sometimes we can have a, a thinking of God's will where we really try to have a high view of God. Like, God, you are sovereign. There's nothing beyond you that are true things about God that can be incredibly unhelpful in the sense of, so it's all on you, God. Like, like everything's on you to like, and I think there's a, there's a better way of understanding God's will, which is like, yes, God is, there's nothing that spins God or throws God off, but he also invites us as his, his free creatures to play in this world with him. Okay. And I think so much of the understanding God's will in that sense is God, what, what do you actually desire from my life in terms of responding to you, this, this obedience, that's a sense of trust to you more than trying to figure out what's the perfect plan. I think what God would actually want is somebody who says, I'm available. I'm yours. I trust you. What do you want to do? And then he says, cool, wherever you go, then it's awesome. If that's your, if that's you leaning into me, then it doesn't matter if you're in Canada or in the U S it doesn't, you know, like that's someone I can change the world with. And so I think that's what I've been trying to, to say, God, I know, I know to the best that I can understand that you brought us to this moment. Like, I trust that I'm crazy confused (laughs) why everything that's going down, but what I'm trying to do is to just continually surrender myself to you and say, so what do you want in this season? Because I think that's how I'll see your will unfold in my life in the long run. And again, I think it's this, 
it's a long game mentality. This trust that faith wins <laughs> in the long run, yeah. even though the short game feels like I may be losing. Isn't that totally true about all relationships though? Like all of our favorite relationships, we play for the long game. All mm -hmm. of them. parenting, marriage, best friends, family by choice, yeah. all of our favorite relationships, we we have to play for the long game because curveballs always come in. And if you're playing for the short game, the lesser relationships fade away. They don't make it through yeah. those moments. You know, um, you have to play for the long game in your favorite relationships. So I, mm -hmm. I love that. that's the way it is with God too. And that makes total sense. It's how relationship works. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, do, do, do I believe you, Jesus, when you say, I'll never leave you or forsake you? Do I believe you when you say, take heart, I've overcome the world? And that's, okay. that's, the, that's, I think that's the journey of, that's a faith that wins in the long run because we're holding on to the one who has won. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you make your victory my victory, please? <laughs> can, can we partner for that? Uh, okay, so could, would you, are you game to talk a little bit about, like, what are some of the common themes that you are striking up in conversation with your kids mm -hmm. for their hope management? Because, yeah. I like, it's one thing to have all kinds of struggle inside of us and inside of our relationship with God. But then those of you who are parents, there is an additional layer of complication as you try to explain what we're experiencing and how to foster hope and faith in that process. So what are some of the common themes that you're striking up with your teenagers? Yeah. Um, well, that, and there's so many layers to that question, but I think some of the, some of the, just the simple things that we're trying to do is just that, how are you doing questions just in general, just how are you like, um, but in large, like bringing that question, how are you doing into this, trying to raise our perspective to the bigger story that we can, can glimpse and see. So, hey, we just made an epic move as a family, trusting that God was in, in, in this with us. Um, and so part of that question when we're checking in, how are you doing is, how are you seeing God showing up for you in your story and in, in what you're experiencing? Um, and so in some ways, I think part of that, that question with them is, are you seeing that in certain areas we're, we're actually better off because we said yes than we were? Even mm. though if we were to put it on paper, there's a lot of reasons that we would say we are not better off. We're no longer homeowners. <laughs> we uh, have been cut off from our closest friendships we've developed. We are so limited in the ability to create New real relationships right yeah. now. But there's this quality of life that you can't put on paper that somehow is there and so like for our oldest daughter for indy right now she's like i'm i've been able to do some real some healing and processing from some of the hurt some of the bullying she experienced and god has given her this and so now she's almost in the space of i feel like god you've done some healing and now i'm like i want to embrace life again oh. but that desire to want to embrace life had had been um shut down yeah. and we hadn't fully yeah. really realized it so i think how are we trying to foster that sense of faith and hope? Is that like, how are you doing in light of this bigger story? And do you see what God's showing up in your life? Um, and just trying to engage in that conversation. And I'd love to say, you know, I've got a book that's got the five steps. It's just trying to be intentional about having the space to have a conversation. And sometimes that happens around the, the meal table together. Sometimes that's literally, we're just sitting on the couch, everyone on their own device and somebody brings something up and it's just, put this down. Let's enter into this moment together. Um, so I think that that's one of the ways helping to, okay, how do you look, look up like our past series? 
and see, you know what, God, there is a quality of life I'm experiencing because we said yes to you, mm. even though on paper it can be really hard. Yeah. I love how simple that is, how simple that is and how profound presence is. Like you've chosen to be intentional with your presence, but also just even after you've asked that question, your big win is just to be present in whatever comes out as the answer to that question. And then what a profound, profoundly simple parenting technique of like, how can I help them see God in this? And I actually really love the fact that the way that you worded that was not, how do I see God in spite of that in your life so that you know it? you can tell that you are helping them mine it out themselves, that you're asking the questions that help them acknowledge, oh, actually, I am experiencing God. I can see God in this. I think that's also just brilliant parenting. Yeah, and I, I would say just maybe on that little parenting thread, I would just want to encourage anyone who's walking with your kids, whatever age they're in. I think sometimes we feel intimidated by those conversations because we're not sure how to answer those questions for ourselves. And I would just say like, hey, lean into that with God. And like, here's father, <laughs> I'm a kid. Let me engage with God in that way. And then figure out in the same way I'm experiencing God showing up, how can I turn that towards my kids? And if you're intimidated because you don't know how God is doing it and you're like, there's a point where you just, just choose to engage with your kids and figure it out in real time together. Because in the long run, that's gonna help everyone grow. If we're waiting till we all have it all figured out, they're gone, they've grown up. And we've missed the moments. And so for whatever that's worth, if you don't have it all figured out, welcome to parenting. <laughs> it's a journey of discovery and just, just figure it out along the way. It's okay to figure it out stumbling forward. <laughs> uh, it's a journey of discovery and courage. <laughs> Lean in. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, yeah. I, it, this conversation just fly. We're at the spot where I'm supposed to give you freedom to ask me a question. We are already there. So lay it on yeah. me. What have you got? Okay, set up for the question. Here we go. You and I are 40 in the 40s decade. Uh, we've lived enough life. We could look back on our stories collectively. Like there's so many things I would love to go back and tell my 20 something self, right? Like calm down or don't 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 balk at this thing God's going to put in front of you. Like there's so many things that who I am now, what I've gained and learned, I would go back and just want to speak words of hope and life to that kid. Right. Okay. Uh, I imagine for you, you would love to be who you are now. Like the you've just described to me it, along the way in this year of relationship, like you've just come into this profound love for yourself that, that you have just discovered who you are. So like if you could go back to your 20 year old self, what words of life would you want to speak to Angela then? Right. And so that's not my question, though. That's the concept. That is crazy. So now imagine this journey that we're on of growth of God leading us into more freedom, leading us into an understanding of ourselves in relationship with him. And if you could project yourself 20 years in the future, oh no, what would you what, what would you imagine that Angelo? would want to come and say to you today, especially in this season of so much is changing in your life. And it's just creative imagination. You don't know, but I mean, in the same way you can envision a message of hope, what do you think? What do you think future Angela would say to you today? That is a doozy of a question, Joel. <laughs> I win, I win. <laughs> doozy. So that's so funny, just in commentary on your backstory, 
literally this morning, I was doing a visualization exercise with my 20 year old self who signed a contract of shame with herself of self-loathing. And the just literally this morning, I broke that contract. Like I, I thanked the part of me that was trying to protect me by having this, whatever. And I unsigned the contract of shame and it's not Mm going to solve all shame problems, but literally it was my 20 year old self who began this process of self-loathing that I am just now breaking at 43. And so the fact that you're asking me that question today was like, I just had a conversation with 20 year old self this morning. (laughs) Okay. Um, Oh Lord have mercy. Yeah, if I get through this without crying, that is going to be a uh, something. Mm-hmm. I thought a tissue I'd hand it to you. <laughs> <laughs> that lot of good that's going to do me through the screen. Uh, like immediately welling up. I could maybe be more profound with some forethought, but immediately welling up is this wrinkled, uh, earnest, wizened woman. Uh, and I, I'm sorry to the 63-year-olds out there who are like, wrinkled, back off me. But in my mind, 63-year-old Angela is beautifully wrinkled. Um, and, it, and is like leaning forward and saying, take the restrictors off. Like, mm. do it. Do it now. Stop that game. Um, it's a natural ramification of the same shame contract that I signed a long time ago that I choose to put serious restrictions on myself um, so as not to overwhelm people, so as not to receive rejection, so as to um, protect me from negative feedback, so as there's like lots of reasons why I have put a restrictor on myself. I literally picture the faucet. When we moved into our current apartment, you turn the faucet on and it like dripped it like dripped and Jason worked some kind of magic and like took this little thing out, which I think is called a restrictor, took this little thing out and we have lovely water pressure. Now that is literally how I picture this, how this shame contract has played out was I chose to put a restrictor on who God made me to be. And I have spent the vast majority of my life um, living inside of that. And um, the key piece of this particular transition that I am in is self-acknowledgement. Like, who are Mm. you really? Who are you really? And do you have the courage to play that out? Like, do you have Mm. the courage to embrace that and then let the chips fall where it may? And um, so I hear 63-year-old Angela And I can't tell if she did it and is like, you won't regret it. Or if she didn't do it and out of her regret, she is saying, I wish I'd have done it. I can't tell you, which I will totally do a visualization just to press into that. But I, Uh, in all earnestness, she leans in and is like, take the restrictors off. Just go for it. That's great. That's great. Uh, Yeah, I... I think, I think it was C.S. Lewis in one of his writings that was talking about if we could see who we're becoming, who God is making us to be, like if we could see this ever increasing, like like uh, Paul writes about this in Corinthians, that we're being transformed with ever increasing glory, like we're being made into the likeness of God. That's who we are created to, to be like and reflect. And, and Lewis is just imagining if we could see ourselves 
centuries into the future, like like this transforming work of God, like he said, we'd probably be tempted to, to like worship ourselves because of how glorious we would see ourselves as, you know, it's like because of what God's doing in us. And, and I think there's something about that beautiful picture of hoping who, of who we can become. Like if we can learn to strip off the false identities that we've adopted or have been forced upon us mm. and embrace that identity of who we're becoming in Christ, Oh, there's such a freedom. So like, like, so I hear that future me saying, like, get over yourself, like get over <laughs> your fears, get over your insecurities, step into the adventure, like follow what God has for you. Like he's worth it. And and who we get to become, like you will never regret saying yes to him. And I just I I have, I have to constantly give that voice like room in my head. Yeah. So I, so I listen to it. So it's so obvious how we are riddled with self, um, with insecurities, like mm-hmm. self-doubt, that I, I imagine people maybe wouldn't resonate right off the bat with this next sentence, but I wonder if it is, I, I think that most of us, maybe all of us, and it might be God's spirit in us, there is this whisper of greatness that there is a, I was made to do important things. I was made to have a significant impact. I was made, and it's maybe not big and broad reaching. It's maybe um, just deep and quiet. Like there's different forms of that glory that you just quoted out of Corinthians um, that like we're riddled with insecurity that maybe makes us doubt that whisper. But almost everybody who has trusted me with enough vulnerability to share their true thoughts of self, we share this common whisper of like, I think it is God's endorsement of who he made us to be. That's like, I was made, I think we're a little bit scared of our capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and we're like, we're all gifted differently and our capacities look differently, but I think there is like this tiny whisper in all of us that says, I was made for something glorious, something that is uniquely my contribution to the world, um, that I, I'm curious, I'm just curious if that is a thing that we share in common. And that at this moment, I'm just becoming aware of it and trying to find the courage to believe it is true. Um, yeah. I, yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Like it, it is never arrogance to say I was made for more than this. If yeah. we're listening to that whisper of God's spirit in us, because when we actually step into the greatness we are created for, it's never about us. It's only yeah. ever about God's glory and serving and loving the world and trying to make it a better place. And that's a greatness we were created for. We settle yeah. for lesser greatness when it's my name, when I want the plaque, when I want the, the like, that's, that's the world's greatness that is so often that selfishness that we see. Um, but the greatness God created us for, it's, it's never yeah. arrogance because it's not about us. Yeah. Although when we live into that greatness, we never feel better about ourselves at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it's not vanity. I love what you're saying. It's not vanity at that point. It is uh, just yeah. us being who we're created to be. Okay, well, I could clearly stay on that topic for a while, but you have brought some kind of song, I think, because I asked, is there something that is just speaking to you these days uh, that you'd be game to share with us for us to be spoken to? Yes. Yeah. 
So I think like, like echoing into the theme of faith that we, we, we started with and we're walking with, there, there's a song called Take Heart. And it's basically just affirming these words Jesus says to us, take heart of overcome the world. And, and the words are all my failures, all my fears, he has overcome. Like all the things in my life that I struggle with, the challenges, we can have this hope because he's overcome. Like the darkest parts of ourselves, he's overcome to free us from ourselves. The hardest things we'll go through life, he's overcome. And last summer in, in all the online services, like Justin did a, a, an acoustic version of this for us in his backyard. And I love it because he just goes for it in his version of the song. And then later on, he said his neighbor was like, hey, I heard you sing a song. And I'm like, what a great song to sing over your neighborhood. I love it. But uh, that's the song I want to go into because I think it's so thematic to this idea that faith wins because Jesus has overcome the world. I love it. Thank you for this, Joel. Fun. I've enjoyed this. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.